I'm on the line with Mapache. Mapache is involved with the Occupy Ice Camp in San Antonio, Texas. Mapache, welcome to No One's Legal Radio. Hi, good to be here. Mapache, um, on this show we've talked to organizers with Occupy Ice Actions uh, around the country. Mm. We've talked to folks in Portland where it all started off back in mid-June, in Detroit, in, uh, in Louisville. Mm. Could you talk about how things uh, got going uh, against ICE with this Occupy ICE action in San Antonio? Yeah, uh, so we started on the 17th, on the one-month anniversary of the Portland occupation when they had their national call to action. Um, and so on the 17th, we did it. It turned into pretty much like a central Texas call-out because other than there was a, an occupation that was attempted at Dallas, but other than that, um, nothing else was going on. So a bunch of like central Texas folks came down here. We had a little bit of a rally, set up the camp, and then uh, we've been going since then. Awesome. Um, could you talk about how the occupation has played out? In observing and talking to people involved with other occupations, there's a, there's a mixture of um, police repression. There's obviously mm -hmm. uh, tactically and strategically people deciding... Uh, what kind of occupation they're going to have, whether it's relatively symbolic or whether they're going to actually disrupt ICE vehicles and ICE operations. And in some mm -hmm. cases, there's a level of um, a state or a local collaboration, that is city, the city providing a little bit of sympathy or support for your occupation. So can you talk about those dynamics in San Antonio? So as far as police repression has gone, it's been like actually pretty minimal. And the reason we think that is because we're not actually in front of a detention center. We're in front of what's like a, an ice field office uh, sort of facility. So they still have uh, vans transporting people in and a big bus that comes in once a day. But they also have people here doing like check-ins for their papers. We have children waiting to visit family members who are detained here for a day. Um, we have ICE agents coming in and out. So it's a, and because of that, they they try to keep this location pretty secretive. It's completely unmarked. Uh, they have like a DHS flag flying, but for the most part, all the workers and everybody around here that drives by here, they don't really know what this place is at all. And because of that, we think that they don't want police repression uh, or they don't want to make a big spectacle about it. And they want to keep it as quiet as possible so that less people know that this is here and what this is. Talk more about the ICE infrastructure in Central Texas and in your region in general. In speaking to people in Portland and Detroit and Louisville and elsewhere, uh, obviously ICE has a scope all over the country, but I can imagine that its scope on the, on the border and in Texas uh, is industrial mm -hmm. in, in its scope. So talk about that. There's the secret or not secret, but relatively low-key facility that they have, uh, a field office. Mm -hmm. But talk about ICE operations in general in, in Texas and where, where you're at. I mean, in San Antonio, it's a whole web of not just ICE, but like ICE collaborators. It, for, so here in Texas, we have uh, the SB4 bill, which basically means or which demands that local police work with uh, ICE and they're required like by law to work with ICE and it's punishable if they don't. So 
what used to be like maybe if you were undocumented got stopped without driving without a license or without registration uh what used to be your car getting towed and you having a fine now is like potentially ice grabs you and a deportation um and so because of that the bear county is holding migrants uh and who are waiting to get picked up by ice and then not even a mile away from bear county there's the geo facility which is i'm sure you know it's a very familiar name uh geo is a, one of the biggest contractors with ice for detention centers uh and for detention of migrants uh and then there's this facility this like field office where they take people from geo from bear and bring them here to be held for about a day, put loaded onto a bus, and then shipped off like fucking cargo to uh, wherever else. Potentially, we know for sure the big one in Pearsall and other detention centers that like just are dotted all all over the border and all over Texas. Um, but then even that, and the geo itself has an office here. For the has the regional office place in San Antonio, and when you look at the contractors that ICE has and the DHS has, like the vans that transport people into the facility from the jail and from the detention center, they are from uh, Trail Boss Enterprises Incorporated, which is like an Alaskan company that has a contract with ICE. And then I can't, I don't have them all like in my head, but they're just a good nine, maybe 10 contracts, if I remember correctly, of just different businesses providing technology, providing security, providing, I mean, every, for the past week, we've been seeing Bayer boys coming in and out of here, <laughs> fixing air conditioning. Yeah, you're right. It has deep roots here in Texas, not yeah. just like as an organization or as like DHS, but like it's embedded into our economy in Texas. Yeah, it sounds like a dystopia, except it isn't because it exists. It's it's horrible. Um, yeah. Mapache, uh, the initial um, motivation for these Occupy actions was the... Uh, family separation policy of the Trump administration, specifically kids being separated from their from their parents. Mm -hmm. um, this has been happening since April on a mass scale, but it's been happening for a long time. But people finally woke up to it and these occupations started. But that demand of families belong together has been surpassed by something even more fundamental, which is abolish ICE, abolish Immigration and Customs Enforcement. But it seems pretty clear that a lot of the people involved with the Democratic Party that are somewhat sympathetic to um, um, bringing families together are having more of a problem with this abolish ICE demand. So can you talk about how that that sort of uh, d uh, division plays out at your occupation camp? The division between... Between well, those, those who want to keep... Our camp, yeah, the division between people who maybe don't want to abolish ICE but do want to put families together exactly i mean at a, at least in our camp it's uh, we all want families together but not and we all want to not only abolish eyes but just abolish their world you know like abolish 
everything they uphold, abolish the criminalization of fucking migrants, abolish the idea of migrants in general. We this isn't this line is at least everyone here currently this line is illegitimate that they drew in the fucking sand and violence and fucking the killing of children, the killing of families, of people fleeing imperialist violence. Like this is illegitimate. We're not fucking migrants. We it's natural. You know, it's at least at our camp, there is no division between people who want families together and people who want a whole new world where families don't have to be separated to begin with. Can you talk a bit, Mapache, about the day-to-day at the camp, how it plays out, um, how you guys are mobilizing, who's involved? We'll get to the Mm -hmm. thing that happened this past Saturday and later on in this interview, but talk about the the day-to-day at the camp. Day-to-day? I mean, that also depends on the day. For the most part, it's uh, recently we, pretty recently, we started getting... Because we're not outside of a detention center, we have families waiting uh, for judges. We have families waiting, to, or people waiting for their check-ins. Uh, people here that are to vis- here who are here to visit detainees um, before they're shipped off to a bigger, an outside detention facility. And so we've actually been able to start our mornings with a free store. In, right in front of ICE's side, uh, on the sidewalk in front of the ICE facility, uh, we're handing out, sorry, that was one of the workers that are around here, but, uh, oh, that was Abuelo. Uh, they were, so yeah, we're able to start off our day with a free store. We asked people to donate toys for children and coloring books and fruits, vegetables, waters, Gatorade, Kool-Aid. Um, so we're just passing that out and supporting, you know, the mig- all the migrants who are out here who are waiting, who are in a very stressful and, like, heart-wrenching situation. We're here to provide support, uh, pro bono lawyers who have dropped off their numbers with us. We're here to tell them how to, how to find uh, their loved ones because some of them haven't been through this process before. They don't know how to find, like, somebody who was detained by ICE that morning. So that's how we usually start off our day. And then after they all leave, uh, we shout, harass, and (laughs) uh, fuck with ICE agents who are driving in and out of work. And during the night, we usually fortify the camp, um, do whatever we can, uh, cook food and relax. And then, Every and then every once in a while, and we plan, and we plan for big actions, for big, for work stoppages, for that kind of stuff. But day to day, when we're not doing a work stoppage, when we're not having an action, that's about how the day goes. Mapache, this past Saturday morning, while most of you were sleeping, uh, a group of um, fascists, boneheads, cowards. Um, yeah. uh, came out of the sewers, almost literally, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, and tried to disrupt your camp. And this became um, news uh, 
um, you know, went kind of viral. Yeah. The video of that, uh, uh, basically, roughly about a dozen members of a group called the Patriot Front, which is an openly neo neo fascist group uh, tied to the former National Vanguard, which was implicated. One of their members was implicated in the killing of Heather Heyer. Mm-hmm. So, speak about what happened. You were there at the time. What happened? Uh, on one level. Uh, obviously, this is troubling. This is this is really um, nasty. But on another level, we don't want to overstate what had happened. So, uh, you were there. You know what happened. So, tell tell our listeners what what went down last Saturday morning. I mean, just about what you described. So, the most of the people who were awake at camp had gone down to the park across the street to uh, go use the bathroom, and most of us who were asleep were still at camp. And at about 8 a.m., we heard, you know, the chants of uh, strong borders, strong nations. And we turned around to about like 15 Patriot from members. Uh, they came in, they lit a smoke grenade, they, they knocked over some shit, and then the, they slapped and tried to provoke a fight between ourselves, but we really decided to step back. We decided, I think, and I think that our instincts was correct. Uh, though most people at camp would absolutely love to see, a, you know, most people at camp agree the only good fascist is a dead one. But, uh, you know, we were outnumbered like four to one about, uh, and we really didn't want to hospitalize someone over what, was ultimately like a canopy. <laughs> they flipped over a canopy, and then when we, we didn't fight, well, I don't want to say we didn't fight back, but when we didn't like fall into their trap of and physically hit back, they were all kind of just shocked, and then they took, they just turned around. <laughs> The attack was, wasn't even three minutes. They took their video, they had their photo op, they knocked over a canopy, and they turned around, you know? Yeah, it's fully within the, um, the MO of, of generation identity type groups in Europe or Identity Europa, sort of a flash mob kind of thing. The whole value of what they're doing is, um, is propaganda, um, not the actual yeah. effect of what they do. And these kinds of things are meant to have more of an effect because of the propaganda than what they actually did, which is why I'm a little bit wary of giving it too much attention, but it's also important for, for other organizers and activists and people who are sympathetic to, to anti-racism and fighting fascism to know what actually went down. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen their yeah, video, yeah. Uh, which was heavily edited, of course, and the other video, and I know that, as you said, there were, there were a couple of you... I wouldn't call it heavily edited. It was, they put a filter over it and some music. Exactly, exactly. But, filter music and they were trying to hide the identity of some of their members um you're right it's not heavily edited it's just a two-minute cheap music video (laughs) but um what i I notice in the video is that there's three of you maybe holding it down and i just wanted to say that um you know there's no one way to act Mm -hmm. when a bunch of fascist thugs are coming to try to do some damage to you it's hard to gauge what to do and it's fully reasonable to to fight it's fully reasonable to run away. Both of them are totally reasonable. Hello. But I just want to say that for those of you who were there and held it down, mm-hmm. um, just from mm-hmm. your body language, 
uh, I could tell mm-hmm. that you were holding it down. I just want to I just wanted to express solidarity and support for that because Thank it's you. it's not easy to wake up not where you live probably on a hot morning in Texas where they yeah. fucking carry yeah. guns uh, and to face these mass fuckers and and you held it down and not only that but you're continuing so talk about that talk about oh, what we're impact stronger that's had. than ever yeah, that's talk- what I want to focus on for sure that day. People came down from all over the place. Fucking, they supported us so much. That canopy that they torn down was replaced by two others, two others better, newer, fucking higher can, higher quality. Fucking, what they did was cowardly, and what they did was throw a fucking tantrum. You know, um, they tried to defend. They were here to defend ICE and to defend what they're doing. They, they were here to put their individual bodies on the line for this fascist institution that we're protesting against. But ultimately what they did is they made this protest, they made this resistance camp even fucking stronger. So they absolutely failed in whatever the fuck they were trying to do, you know. So fuck them, you know. And there's going to be mobilizations in Portland and Berkeley and Charlottesville and yeah. in D.C. Uh, on this show, we'll be talking to some of the organizers of those mobilizations as well. So, you know, the, okay. the fight for migrant justice and the fight against fascism are linked. And what happened on Saturday is, is clear evidence of that. Um, but, Mapache, talk okay. about the cops because, you know, 12 mass folks show up in the morning. Where, where were the cops in all this? I, and, of course... I don't expect the cops to help out, but technically they're supposed to keep the peace. So where the hell were they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they were around the corner. Quite literally, there was the Patriot Front walked right past them. And uh, <laughs> what's really fucking funny is actually they were walking back, and one of our comrades was uh, decided they went behind them to like uh go check it out or whatever and they walked right past the cops the cops didn't tell patriot front anything but they stopped our comrade who was chasing after him so i mean you know we all know yeah the cops said they didn't see anything you know like we all know the cop what side the cops are on well all, all over north america all over europe um there are there are examples of cop direct collaboration because as you say there's a general sympathy the cops have with this um you know this right wing and often overtly racist and fascist point of view but it's often hard to prove direct collaboration but you know golden dawn and in greece has that kind of collaboration with the cops um there's suspicions of that all over north america do you have any clear evidence of that kind of collaboration between san antonio cops or texas rangers and uh and uh and these far-right fascist groups I mean, besides history, like, I guess not overtly, besides, you know, besides that and what we saw this morning, uh, I have my own theories about a certain ICE agent who works here, who is white and has a clean haircut, but those are just, you know, theories and personal, you know, thoughts. Mapache, uh, a member and participant in the Occupy ICE San Antonio 
Action. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us on No One Is Legal Radio. Fuck yeah. Thank you for like having me and not saying fuck the cops, not focusing on the fascists, just like getting the good work, getting the good shit out there that we're doing, you know? It's a it's an honor and pleasure to do so, Mapache, and let's let's stay in touch in the future.